Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. 11 minutes after 8 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's Wednesday, January 11th, and it's been a crazy travel day already across American Airways as the FAA, for a period of several hours, grounded all departures across the country. No airplanes taking off. A few did get out prior to that full ground stop from Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport, but the ripple effects are going to be felt through the day at least. This latest from the FAA posted just moments ago. Normal air traffic operations are resuming gradually across the U.S. following an overnight outage of the notice-to-air mission system that provides safety info to flight crews. The ground stop has been lifted. We continue to look into the cause of the initial problem. We should state that the uh, White House press secretary said that President Joe Biden has been briefed on the situation and, and that at this point there is nothing to indicate the computer malfunction or issue was the cause of a cyber attack. They haven't said for sure it wasn't. They're just saying there are no signs of that at this point and they are investigating. So that gets us up to speed here in the moment. But what exactly was this system that went down? Why did this happen? And what are the potential ripple effects that will continue to be felt this morning? You know, we, we're happy for it. We, ha- we got a guy for a lot of things. We got a bear guy. Mm-hmm. We got an alligator guy. Yep. What other guys do we have? We got have? a fish guy. We have a fish guy. So these are people that we rely on for when something <laughs> in the world in that person's area of expertise. Yes. They're friends of the program that we can rely on. And a few weeks ago during the whole Southwest meltdown, we found a we found a pilot guy. We yep. found a air traffic guy. And uh Captain Scott Becker, who is a commercial airline pilot based here locally, is uh with us this morning. Thank you, Captain Scott. Hey, good good morning, to talk to you guys. this morning. You guys make me feel so good about myself. Thank you. Yeah, you're our airplane guy. <laughs> you you're are a pilot welcome. guy. <laughs> All right, Captain. So let's start with this first. The uh, notice to air missions system. Can you give us an idea about what that is and why it's important for air travel across the country? Right. Yes, uh, it's very important. As a matter of fact, it's so important that flight crews are responsible by law to review those notices to airmen while at their gate before they even get uh, airborne. And basically, the notice to airmen system it gives flight crews immediate access to known hazards, either en route or at their departure airport or at their arrival airport. It could be as simple as a light bulb uh, being out at a certain intersection, or it could be as major as the airport just did a temporary shutdown. So you better have an alternative plan in mind. And that can happen, obviously, at the destination. It could happen at the departure airport, but it could also happen en route. So crews need to know what their notums are before they actually go fly. So for those pilots who were already in the air with a full cabin when this was first announced, they would have had to what to make sure they were good to land at whatever airport? So that's a great question, my friend. So when I talked to our dispatch systems control prior to this call, just to kind of get some of the details, it seemed or it appeared to them that the issue wasn't that they couldn't receive their NOTAMs prior to flight, but any new NOTAMs, they were having problems disseminating gotcha. that information. So pertaining uh, precisely to your question, um, they would have received the NOTAMs that they needed to get airborne, right? But let's say, let's say an aircraft took off out of Milwaukee, was going to Orlando today, and Orlando had an issue 
uh, en route, right? They would at least been able to get that verbally. They would have, you know, the, the air traffic controllers in Orlando would have gotten that to Jacksonville Center. Jacksonville Center would have disseminated that to all aircraft that were flying through that region of air traffic control. We're talking with Captain Scott Becker. He is uh, a guy from around here, a commercial airline pilot, and uh, providing us some expertise in the ongoing situation with the FAA. Another thing that I wanted to ask you about, Captain, so I've been texting back and forth with someone on the uh, Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, he was telling us about his wife's flight, which was delayed and then was able to depart. It was bound for LaGuardia, and he was grateful that she got up in the air right, sort of before this complete ground stop. He just told me his, 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 wife, his wife texted him saying they got out there and could not land at LaGuardia. They turned them around and they're due back here in Milwaukee shortly. What could the reason for that be? And is that likely to affect other flights? Are we going to see planes that got out but now can't land? You know what, Vince? I don't know. I mean, I, I would be lying if I told you the exact reason. I know this. You know, you start getting into New York City, that airspace is extremely complex, right, with respect to you have Teterboro there, which is handling all the corporate Part 91-135 flights, which, by the way, that's something that hasn't been said. This also affected your friends that are traveling on private aircraft, such as, you know, executives at a business, or if you and your hunting buddies were planning on going airborne today to go to, to South Dakota to hunt some pheasants. Every aircraft was ground stop. What about military flights? Twenty-one, which is yeah, because every aircraft by law, every pilot from that Cessna 152 at Timmerman Field, all the way up to your 747 captain's got to have those notice airmen's and have those things readily available to them. But with respect to what you're talking about, Vince, New York is so complex. You have Teterboro there handling all the corporate from around the world, right? You have LaGuardia. You have JFK, uh, Kennedy, handling your massive international. You have LaGuardia Domestic. You have Newark, which handles both of those. And all those airports are basically under one umbrella right there. I could see a situation, and this is just me using my experience. I could see a situation where they were so overburdened, they just started turning aircraft around. But I wouldn't expect that in Milwaukee, right? I wouldn't expect that at, at Minneapolis, St. Paul. I would think that would be very limited to high-impact areas with a lot of activity going on. So, Cap, we, we know that the, uh, the ground pause is over. They're starting to fly again. We have a colleague who is sitting on the tarmac. She was told that she got on board her plane, I think at 7.30, she told us. Yeah, that's when they were boarding. And they told her, hey, obviously we have the 9A unpause, and then you might be sitting around for a while. I'm sorry, 8A. It's open now, 8A. I was thinking Eastern time. Um, so they're ready to fly, but she says she's going to be on the tarmac for another half hour at least, they're telling her. I'm assuming that's just because they can't have all the flights go off at the exact same time. They need to kind of stagger this. And oh, have... that'd be awesome, though. Could we do that, Captain <laughs> Scott? Just line them up? Like, I'll... It's going to be like an invasion. Well, you know what? I mean, there are a lot of details. The job has become so much more sophisticated over the last 10 years. I mean, you have tarmac delay programs that are in effect, right? Like we can no longer, it used to be a time where we were told on the flight deck, get this airplane buttoned up immediately, get out there in the taxiway. Well, we may be out there for four or five hours waiting for our turn to take off. Who cares? You got water on board the aircraft, right? But then maybe about eight or nine years ago, the FAA came up with the tarmac delay program, which now requires uh, flight crews to be able to provide food and water by a certain time. And they have to be back 
giving you the opportunity to deplane that aircraft back within a certain amount of time. Three hours happens to be. So the long story short is it really now is a complicated puzzle. I think I, I can tell you that our airline strategy after talking uh, to the DSC desk this morning was to board the flights at the gate because they knew that this was progressive. They knew that um, they had information from the National Air Traffic Control desk, which our DSC and every airline's DSC is in touch with. They knew that flights were slowly starting to operate, that, that uh, the critical information was slowly starting to come back. So they had everyone on board ready to go, and as soon as they got the go-ahead from the clearance delivery or the ground controller at the, you know, at the airport that they were at, boom, close that door and get out. And by the way, it, uh, the first airplane that I heard take off uh, out of Las Vegas, McCarran, this morning was at uh, 6.14 a.m. So aircraft coming in and out of Las Vegas are moving at this time. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is uh, Captain Scott yeah. Becker, our airplane guy, <laughs> our pilot guy, friend of Wisconsin's Morning News. Thanks, Captain. Really appreciate the good information today, and I hope uh, you are airborne as soon as you want to be. Thank you very much, guys. Have an awesome day, okay? Uh, Captain Scott yes, Becker, local commercial airline pilot reporting for Wisconsin's Morning News. All right, so things are getting back to, I don't want to say they're going to be back to normal, but airplanes are taking off again. So that's the good news. But the ripple effects then, as we've been talking about, what if, you know, your 8 o'clock plane was supposed to be the 10 o'clock departure out of Milwaukee Mitchell, but it's delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. You'd like to think they can get that ironed out. In a 24-hour period, we'll see. Obviously, the West Coast also dealing with uh, some significant weather. Wait, add that, too. Right. And, the, and that'll slow things down as well uh, for those heading west, no matter what. But it, it, the good news is is that this outage did not last all day or a half a day. It was about oh, 5A until 8A, so three hours right there, right, right when everything on the East Coast is lighting up. And everybody wants to get out. 821 on Wisconsin's Morning News. National Bank Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Hearing from some folks on the continuing FAA delays now due to a computer outage earlier today. Things I hope they find my bag soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what did she say? <laughs> she says, I hope they find her bag. Because <laughs> that'd be the one thing that maybe they could no get. No kidding, right? Uh, this on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Minor bright spot, the Packers won't be playing the 49ers in Santa Clara on Saturday and likely a torrential downpour through the game. I disagree. <laughs> that <laughs> actually would have made it a winnable game. Yes. Right. No that, doubt. That levels the playing field, so to speak. I want to bring in uh, another expert to can give us a little bit more information on what is happening with the FAA. Curly in Germantown is a former air traffic controller. He used to work out of O'Hare. Curly, thanks for calling the show. Are you having like uh, flashbacks to tough days at work right now when you hear the information we've been passing on this morning? Oh, it's fun. It was just like uh, serving McDonald's at uh, noontime. You were busy, you know, but you did your job. Uh, a little history on the NOTAM system. I'm also a pilot, and you had to be briefed before you took off, whether it was uh, visual flight rules or instrument flight rules. And the FAA used to have a series of flight service stations across the country. Here in Milwaukee, we had one uh, was just north of the terminal there. 
uh, in Chicago was at DuPage County Airport. There was one up in Green Bay, and there was also one out in Lone Rock, Wisconsin. And these flight service stations were manned by FAA personnel who would brief the pilots. You'd get a weather briefing. You'd get a uh, NOTAM briefing at all these uh, different outages or uh, navigational aids that were out there. Like the uh, the captain said there of uh, lights out at uh, certain airports, whatever. And they closed them all down because since everybody has got laptops and uh, uh, iPads now and smartphones and they can get it all on a computer. Well, now the computer went down today and all the mandatory briefings that these guys have to get before they can take off. That was the problem. Talking with Curly is a former air traffic controller uh, out of O'Hare. He lives in Germantown now. I, I, someone asked the question earlier, Curly, about military aircraft. Do they need the same type of not- notification that civilian aircraft would, or is the military good? Uh, the military works in conjunction with the FAA. They have their own briefing system, and that was part of the problem with the NOTAM system is the uh, military would be out there in certain training areas, and they would uh, close those down periodically, and they would notify the FAA, uh, like there's one out over Lake Michigan right now, that uh, when they would be out there doing their intercept practice or missile practice or gun practice, whatever, uh, we'd have to keep uh, civilian aircraft out of there so they wouldn't get shot down. They would do that up at Fort McCoy also when they had their artillery practice. We'd have to keep airplanes uh, above a certain altitude so they wouldn't get shot down by a uh, artillery piece. How unprecedented is this? When when we first heard of the, the grounding of these flights, the first thing Vince and I thought of, of course, was 9-11. Completely different situation. But when it comes to a computer error or something, a malfunction of some type that would lead to this, is does this happen and I just have forgotten? Uh, it happens now. You can see it happening today. Uh, when they had 9-11, I was not a uh, controller at that time, but I heard about it also, and I was surprised at how fast we used to practice at getting aircraft out of the air simulated and how it worked so well at 9-11, where everybody had to stay on the ground or get on the ground in a big hurry. A friend of mine is a retired American Airline captain. He was coming back from uh, Heathrow Airport in England when that happened, and he got out over the Atlantic Ocean, and they had to turn him around, and he had to go back to London. Uh, Curly, really appreciate your expertise and insight this morning. Curly, a former air traffic controller, used to work out of O'Hare and uh, now lives in Germantown. So, again, the, the situation, Eric, is clearing up, but there are going to be tangles in this web for days perhaps, as the airlines try to get back on track. If you have a flight the next couple of days, definitely worth checking in on. 8.28 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight thirty one on Wisconsin's morning news. So remember a few weeks ago or months ago, actually, uh, when Harley Davidson came out and said uh, they're thinking about repurposing their Milwaukee headquarters. And we all said, what what the hell does that mean? Is is Harley leaving Milwaukee or are they shutting down the headquarters there? Because a lot of people haven't been working there anyway. They've been hybrid or at home. Right. And then the company later clarified, they're like, no, we're just rethinking how we do business. Are we going to go long term with 
work from home or hybrid situations, as yeah. you identified. We have a lot more information about what the what repurposing the headquarters actually means in an exclusive report for the Milwaukee Business Journal that is out this morning. Mark Cass, editor-in-chief of the Business Journal, joined us today to shed some more light on that. But what those details say and what they do not say about the future of Harley-Davidson in Milwaukee, that story is coming up on the other side here on Wisconsin's Morning News. Just about 20 minutes before 9 o'clock on Wisconsin's Morning News. So another big story that we probably would have spent more time on had we not had the breaking news, Eric, is additional information about Harley-Davidson, what it wants to do with its headquarters space, which is on, is it 37th or thereabouts in Juneau? Mm Mm-hmm. So west side, right before the Menominee Valley there, or on on the east side of the Menominee Valley, if you will. In Milwaukee, and you had a few months ago, the president and CEO of Harley-Davidson, Joachim Seitz, kind of stirred things up by saying they want to repurpose or reimagine, I can't remember what exactly his word was, I think it was repurpose, the Milwaukee Harley-Davidson headquarters. And it got everyone worked up for... What does that mean? I mean, they already were working from home, so the place has been fairly empty at times, right? So you have that issue, you also have Harley obviously going through some changes over the past several years... So what does that mean? Are you leaving Milwaukee? Are you changing things entirely? Milwaukee uh, Business Journal this morning, and Rich Kirchin wrote up the article. He has some additional information in that, an exclusive reporting from the Business Journal. I'll read you the first part or this, and then uh, really interested in people's reaction to it. Harley-Davidson, Inc. will transform surface parking lots adjacent to its Milwaukee corporate headquarters into a community park with event space, but has yet to disclose plans for the headquarters' offices themselves. The announcement Wednesday emerged after Harley-Davidson's top executive, Jochen Seitz, caused a stir by saying the company planned to repurpose its Milwaukee headquarters. Company spokeswoman declined to comment on possible future developments at the headquarters property, 3700 West Juno, on Milwaukee's near west side. So the parking lot's become a park. The Milwaukee Business Journal's editor-in-chief, Mark Cass, on the show earlier today. Right now, if you go over there, it's just a big, empty spaces of, of lots. Nobody's, I should say nobody, very few people are back in the back there working they're all virtual so those lots are just not really being used at all so the theory here is to activate them to make them more of a community place to make it more of a hangout place and to help that community which is an area that's really important to the city so it sounds like harley is spinning this as this is good news we're investing in this property we want to open up this space to the community we want to as mark said quote unquote activate the space they're talking about using it for events as well you've got the 120th is it 120? Yeah. Yeah, 120th coming up this summer. And they're going to announce plans about that next week. Now, I have heard from a lot of visitors over the years in the various big Harley-Davidson celebrations, people who are from out of town, out of state, out of country, <laughs> that one of the things that they would like to do more of, you know, I run into them at the museum or at the lakefront for something, and they're like, we want to see Harley-Davidson. And they wished that there were more possibilities for them to take tours or, you know, we want to go to the headquarters and see what's what's going Is down there a lot over to there. See in some of well, that's buildings? the thing. That's what Harley's always said. Is like, not it's a coffee machine here. here. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is where we get our coffee. <laughs> Particularly at the headquarters offices, right? <laughs> it's an office like anywhere else, but people want to be around that. So I guess if you're going to, quote unquote, activate that space for events like that, that'll be cool for visitors. Okay. Once every five years for sure. a big reunion. But long term, I don't know that that's necessarily good news. If you don't need that parking lot, 
That means you're not bringing people in large numbers back to your headquarters space. And that's what's most important to the city of Milwaukee, to this region, is our people coming to this area and filling it with a workforce. I I like the idea, though, of, okay, instead of just having a barren wasteland of pavement, the idea of like, hey, I mean, the, this, the company says we want to be more relevant than ever before in Milwaukee. We want our presence known here in the city. So that would indicate they want to make something of this space, right? It's not just going to be an empty parking lot. It would be a green space that could be used. I guess my question is how many events are going to be held there other than it looking nice if you happen to be in that part of town. And it does look nice. Everybody likes uh, renderings and shiny pictures. Milwaukee Business Journal up on their website right now. It does have a very nice shiny picture of what it would look like. And I'm not against the project by any means. I just think to me, the more telling part is if you're waiting for Harley Davidson to at some point say, yep, we're going to totally repopulate our headquarters building with our employees. It looks like that is not happening, at least to the extent that might be even of greater health for the city of Milwaukee. What's most important for the city with employers moving here is not that they have a building here, but that people come here. It's one of the reasons that the avenue where we are now is again alive and people are so robust about what's happening west of the river in Milwaukee is now we're having a downtown workforce, a blue collar, white collar, whatever, coming back to work. This is a crowd that will come down and pay for parking maybe and come and come here to the Third Street Market Hall, the other restaurants and eat there and patronize those businesses. Will they stay downtown for a show then after work? And not for nothing. Just being down here however many months we've been so far, I rarely find a day when it's not busy out there. I mean, it's the vibe, yeah. the energy out it's in the working. third street, even on the weekends, you know, it, it's it's happening here around the lunchtime, afternoon, into the evening here. So that's a good sign. So maybe there is a place. I'm just curious if this rendering, um, which you mentioned, which shows like this pretty awesome looking green space here. What would happen there? I still That's just the big thing, is that other than Harley doing some stuff there, which would be awesome, which would be great. It'd be a great scene. It'd be a great shot with the buildings, that, yep. you know, those, the iconic building there in the background. But what else would that be used for? What do these additional details that because we're now getting? Saying, like, hey, right. hey, this is for everybody, not just for us. From Harley Davidson, what do they say to you about the future of Harley Davidson in Milwaukee? 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. 855-616-1620. Already hearing from people on this. Uh, let me see if I can bring up this text. I think many younger workers now demand working remotely whenever possible. I know a 30-ish lady who had been working happily for a big Wisconsin company in the office until the pandemic, but then was at home for over a year, when they announced their plans to move everyone back into the facility, she promptly quit and quickly found a remote Silicon Valley job, et cetera, et cetera. She vows she'll never work exclusively in a company facility anywhere ever again. And that will come to a head now as more employers appear to be demanding, I need you back in the office. Not the case here at Harley-Davidson. It seems like maybe Joachim Zeitz, as president and CEO, is saying, acknowledging this reality and saying, our company can be healthier as a global brand, if we allow people to work in this fashion. So what maybe is best for Harley-Davidson as a global brand it isn't necessarily married to what's best for that neighborhood or even Milwaukee as a whole. We have to be open to that reality. 846 on Wisconsin's Morning News.
Ten minutes before 9 o'clock on Wisconsin's Morning News, the Old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Just hearing a couple of comments from our conversation about Harley-Davidson and the headquarters property at 37th and Juno in Milwaukee. This guy texted, what about moving Harley, the headquarters downtown by the Harley Museum? Haven't heard anything about Harley-Davidson expressing an interest in building a new headquarters or moving its HQ. It was all about this particular property. Repurposing the the current. Right. And then uh, Dan and Whitefish Bay for the 105th reunion. They had a band in the parking lot the first night at the headquarters. But when the museum opened, they did most of the events at the museum. I anticipate they would have their green space utilized at the headquarters for the reunion, maybe for this year's reunion. Don't know that they'd be able to make that timeline based on what we know about what Harley is saying is they're looking at a 2024 summer opening for the redesigned space in their parking lot. And we do expect uh, more about their upcoming reunion next week. I think a week from today. Yeah, 120. That's what? Usually July, right? I think mm-hmm. we have the dates, right? It's July something. Yep. July this year. Yep. 120th, man. It's a long time to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's a good point. Hey, you just, we got a minute here. Can you again refresh me on who wants to take away my gas stove? Absolutely. There oh, it that's is. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's a great sound, man. I had electric for like a million years, and I was so glad when we. Got new appliances and gas stove. Right, yeah. Every apartment building usually has the, at least mine always did. They, I like how you can do an imitation of anything. Uh, federal re- regulators considering banning gas stoves as evidence mounts of their potential risks to human health. What? Consumer Product Safety Commissioner Richard Trumka told Bloomberg in an interview that a ban was, quote, on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned, he said. We need to be talking about regulating gas stoves, whether it's drastically reducing emissions or banning gas stoves entirely. A ban is a powerful tool in our toolbox, and it's a real possibility here. The CPSC will issue a request for information from consumers on this and industry groups, and I'm sure there'll be some pushback. Uh, More research surfacing on the health impacts of gas-burning stoves. A December study found that 13% of childhood asthma cases across the country can be blamed on indoor use of gas stoves. A previous study from a decade ago found that a gas stove at home increased a child's risk of asthma by 40%. Really? They also say that there are dementia risks. Cooking on these stoves emits nitrous oxide and fine particulates, which can build up in minutes to levels deemed unsafe by the EPA. Fine particulates have also been linked with higher rates of dementia and Alzheimer's. I'm going to need more data on that, though. This is a brand new stuff. Like, Really? Those are like shockingly high numbers. The American Gas Association is pushing back. Yeah, I, are they? <laughs> On the comments. <laughs> right. I think that's fascinating, but just from a consumer standpoint, I much prefer my gas stove to electric. It's not even so much that it warms up quicker, it's that it cools down quicker. Yeah, you can so control the heat. You got more. something that's cranked up a little bit too hot, which I which I have been known to do from oh, sure. occasion. I, I say I cook often but not well. Me too, me but, too. Right, and I, I largely enjoy it, but right, yeah, you get that thing going, and it's like, whoa, hey. But if you got electric and you turn it down, you, you know, you're you on hot. eight, you turn it down to five. Still hot. It's eight for a long time yet. So the thing that I find funny about this is that, and I'm with you, because I have a gas too, and I love it, and I grew up with electric, had that when I was in an apartment, you know, young young person, young adult, and once we moved to gas, because that's what was in the house we bought, it was like, oh my God, this is, this is incredible. Um, but I find it funny that, isn't it funny that our first reaction is always, what? Oh, come on. 
not, holy cow, this could be bad for us. <laughs> like, oh, so that would indicate the numbers as to being so high here for people that are ill, people that have cancer, dementia, whatever it is. Like, no, we don't. <laughs> no one seems to care about what it might be doing to us. We're more upset that we can't cook our mac and cheese the way we want to cook it. <laughs> well, I, th- I think part of that comes from a political skepticism. Sure. Of, wait a minute. What are you going to take away from me for some reason that serves a particular agenda or ideology? And I'm not saying that's what's at play here, but that's always but it could be. You never one know. of our right, first right, things yeah. where we come back is like, what? So you don't want something taken away from you for that reason. If it legit is a health thing and and those numbers hold, like, what did you say? 13% greater risk for uh, asthma? Asthma, yes. And, and what was the 40%? That was a decade ago. So 10 years ago, uh, there was a study that found gas stoves at home increased the child's risk of asthma by 42%. Now, there's some I mean, criticism of that. those are real that. numbers. Yeah. And if that, if that study were to hold... And again, that's one study or one you know thing like that. So you definitely need to look at it closer. But if that were to hold, I would say that's significant enough where you really do need to seriously consider. Like, would I would I put myself at great risk for dementia or my children at much increased risk for asthma because I can cool the stove down faster? <laughs> I wouldn't, right? I- Right. I think what we'll likely see more than something like some ban where they're going to come to you, you can, you're not taking my oven. Yes, exactly. My, I mean, well, you'll have uh, not oven, but you know what I mean? Still, um, I think what more likely will happen is in some areas, perhaps apartment building complexes, different things like that. You'll see more of a push for the electric than some that have the gas. And I, I don't know. Most apartment complexes have the electric anyway. Don't you they? would think, well, For now, don't take my gas stove. 856 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. At 859, just want to get this out there as well because somebody lit us up on the Old National Bank. Talk and text line, Old National Bank, get old. Guys, the Harley reunions are always around Labor Day. That's true for the Milwaukee rally that occurs annually. But this one's for, these, different. for these big parties, it is different. And the dates for the 120th Harley-Davidson reunion, July 13th through the 16th of this summer. You ride? No. You look like you would ride. You I had a long time ago and I was like very young. So you did? Yeah. No, not in 30, 40 years. Could you, like, do you have, is the bike like under a tarp somewhere? No, or no, 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 no. I don't have a motorcycle. Okay. I was offered a chance to ride again when I started at WTMJ, but I... Well, I asked my wife and she said, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of guys like that. I probably, she probably would have let me if I really wanted to. But. Yeah. You, but you did, decided that you would save that political capital for another argument? Absolutely. Right. Very nice. What do you got coming up today? Uh, Speaker Robin Voss joining us at 935. That's right. Boy, lots of talk about shared revenue. Apparently, there may be a deal in the works. Obviously, some of the big items marijuana, abortion. I'm sure he'll have thoughts on that. And then we've got to ask him, since I've been lighting him up for a year or so, uh, the, the Gableman question will come at some point in the interview. WTMJ's Steve Scafidi is up next.